Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. However you may be listening, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or any of the podcast platforms, thank you for being with us. I'm your host, Pete Newbig, and we have another great show today. We're going to meet with Peter Lohman, CEO and broker of RL Property Management in Columbus, Ohio. RL has been managing property since 2013. They're managing over 630 units, all single-family or small multifamily. Peter received his bachelor's in electrical engineering from Geneva College, spent five years in the control systems engineering industry full-time before founding RL Property Management in 2013. He lives in Old Town East neighborhood of Columbus with his wife and his young daughter. Also, if you don't follow Peter, he's a great follow and has some great thoughts and He's a frequent contributor to the various property management Facebook groups, and he's got quite a following. So I'm really excited to be able to speak to Peter today, plus he has a a great name. (laughs) Just kidding. But before we get to speak to him, we are going to talk about our hot topic, our hot topic of the day. So it's beginning of the year. You know, we're we're kind of uh, close to the beginning of the year, and so I want to talk a little bit about the The state of the property management industry report that came out last year for forward-looking, this came out in October of 2023. And so as over the holidays, I was able to check out this report. It had 1,700 respondents, which I thought was a pretty good, pretty good amount of folks that that are are responding. And some of the factors that the respondents kept identifying were the seller's market conditions because high sales on the prices were now giving rental owners a reason to sell their properties, which means, of course, as property managers, we, we start seeing that churn, right? We start seeing the loss of properties. Not, not, quote, not a bad loss, quote-unquote, especially if you get the sale, but obviously a loss nonetheless. Low margins, uh, the cost of operating a rental property, insurance costs going up, taxes going up, and, of course, you know, maintenance goes up. You know, with all your costs going up, that more and more people are looking to, they're motivated to sell, right? They're not making as much money. They see that the appreciation is hitting and they're getting out of the business, which of course hurts our business as property managers. Also, rental affordability was another topic, right? There's a strong demand for a limited supply of low and mid-price rentals and it continues to push the price up. Well, at some point, there's going to be fewer qualified residents to take on those properties. So the properties that we do have left, all of a sudden we're pricing them up that people can't even afford them. So now we have more vacancy. And once you have vacancy, what happens now is that's when your, your investor owners or your you know, owner clients you know, typically will let you go and, and find somebody else to go ahead and lease that property. 
Staffing is another concern, right? We're seeing compressed margins in our property management firms because our staffing costs are becoming high, right? We're seeing this huge amount of inflation. So people want more money. They need more money to live. Uh, and so we can't raise our prices fast or, or high enough. And so the margin, the, the margin gets compressed. And so all of a sudden we have to do more with smaller teams. And then competition keeps coming up there. So right? high rent growth and retail demand have drawn more companies into property management. We, I believe that this year in 2024, now that interest rates have gone up, that people are not going to have an easy time to sell. So I think we're going to see a, a year where as property management firms, we get to grow because people can't sell their properties. And so they give it to a property management company. Of course, at the same time, you have all these sales agents that can't sell anything anymore. So what do they do? They hang up a shingle and they say, oh, guess what? Now I'm in property management, which hopefully they find NARPM sooner than later, because we know that the more people that get into this industry and this business that especially don't know enough, they only know enough to be dangerous, they actually create a bad stigma on our industry for the ones of us that are you know, educated and you and do this professionally, right? The, these folks that hang shingles, they're going to do it professionally, quote unquote, for a short period of time until sales comes back up and then they're out of the game and they're, do, and they're doing sales. So I thought it was really interesting that these were some of the factors that people were thinking of. Now, the survey asked folks to rank, you know, what their priorities are. And the rankings for next year are growth, efficiency, and profitability. What I found interesting is growth seems to always be the first, always every year it's number one, right? Every year growth is the top priority for everybody. And, and that's what it was last year and that's what it is this year. But efficiency and profitability uh, came up a couple, both, both came up two places each, replacing owners and residents, right? So we're past the pandemic now. And so, you know, worrying about the owners and residents as much, that, that was popular you know, 2021, 20, 22. Uh, now it's like, okay, we, we, we have to focus on the efficiency and profitability of, of the company. And a lot of that has to do with those factors that we, we just spoke to. And the, honestly, you know, I'll, I'll do a, a short plug here for VPM solutions, but there, there, there's lots of other, you know, virtual assistant companies out there, but the number one way to create efficiency and profitability into your organization is by hiring remote staff and VPM solutions, go to vpmsolutions.com and you can find over 17,000 people looking for work in the industry. But there's other firms out there and that's just my quote unquote hot take for, for today, but um, it's a great read if you have not read it, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot more interesting facts. That really is just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to be right back after these quick commercial break, and then we are going to uh, have a great conversation with uh, Peter Lohman. Stand by. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. Welcome back, everybody, to the Narcom Radio podcast. And we got 
Peter Lohman here. So, Peter, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Excited to be here. So, Peter, no kid grows up saying, when I grow up, I want to be a property manager. Right. So tell our audience, how did you get into property management? Yeah, so kind of the same old story I think you hear from a lot of property management folks. We started buying a few properties of our own, uh, my partner and I, and we were self-managing. And in the process of, as we added a couple more units, in the process of trying to find a local property manager here in central Ohio, what we discovered is that there essentially were no good ones or none that anyone could recommend to us. And all the real estate investors that we talked to felt that either they hated their property manager or they couldn't find a good one. So my partner and I saw that as an opportunity. We figured, hey, how hard can this be? <laughs> Famous last <laughs> words. And we were both working as engineers at the time. So we thought our kind of engineering background would lend itself to property management. So we got our real estate licenses. And then in 2013, I quit my engineering job to start the property management company. And at the time we only had maybe half a dozen properties that we owned directly and no clients at all. So we really started from zero. And after the first year we got some traction, my partner came on board full time and that's what I've been doing ever since. Excellent. So let's say it's like a 45% of people coming from realty, 40% coming from, you know, investor side. And then you have 5% yeah. that come in some kind of other weird way. So yeah. Yep. Peter, you recently took a month off from your business in the summer, no less, which is normally our busy season. So let's talk a little bit about how you were able to do that. How'd you set up your business that it can run without you for a month? Yeah. So there was a few things that went into this. I think it really starts with your team. So just for a sense of scale, we manage just over 600 units. And so we've got a pretty decent sized team. So there is no question that without a good team in place, I wouldn't have been able to do that kind of goes without saying. So part of it was just having a team in the first place, but I think a major portion of what made it possible was sort of the culture that we've developed here, specifically around empowering people at the company to take ownership and make decisions. So I've always been somebody who's happy to get stuff off my plate whether that's decisions or tasks, stuff that I've always been the one to do. A lot of small business owners feel kind of protective of that stuff. They feel like I really need to be the one to be doing this. No one can do it as well as I can. I need to know what's going on. I've never, for I don't know why or where I got this, but I've never been like that. So I'm always happy to empower somebody to take something off my plate. And so the folks who work for me, I think, I hope, not only feel empowered to make decisions, but they also understand that they, they're going to make mistakes and that's okay. That's part of the learning process. If you're not making mistakes, you're not learning, you're not growing. And so I knew that there was going to be errors made while I was gone. I, I just accepted that as, as written before I even walked out the door, but I just encouraged my whole team as I always have, Hey, stuff's going to break stuff's going to get missed. That's fine. We'll, we'll figure it out when I get back. And then now we know how to improve the process for next time. So that was a big part of it. So to get um, these great people, <clears throat> is there yeah. something in your hiring process that you would recommend for other people to, to utilize, to, to get the, some of the great people that you get? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I would highly recommend is reading a book called Who. 
It's by, if you're familiar with Top Grading, that's another kind of famous book on hiring. It was this, this book, Who, was actually written by the son of the guy who wrote Top Grading, Jeff Smart. And it's extremely digestible. It's easy to follow. And it's, it's very relevant for small business. So he outlines a process for hiring in that book that is quite different than sort of the default mm -hmm. hiring process. It's very involved and it takes a lot of time and effort. And the first few times you do it, it feels very awkward, but the results are really, really good. I've been super happy with it. The other piece that we've recently integrated into our hiring is predictive index. So predictive index is kind of like a personality profile. A lot of people have different opinions on it. It's not a panacea. It should be a part of a larger hiring process. And it's not about like finding out if someone's smart or finding out if someone should work at your company. It's much more about analyzing someone's natural tendencies and finding out if it's a match for a specific role that you're hiring for. So you're, you're basically increasing the chances of a candidate's success if you see that their profile matches the profile you've created for that role. So I think those two things were very important and have been important to the growth of the company and bringing on great team members. When you were away, did you check reports? Do you have key, do you have key performance indicators that you look at for the company and for each role or just at the company level? So we're really big on KPIs. We run on EOS. So we have our scorecard that we look at every week with the leadership team. We've got our rocks, you know, so we got all that stuff. I'm a big metrics guy. While I was gone, I looked at nothing. I didn't check my email. I didn't get weekly updates from anybody. I didn't, you know, log into our property management software or anything like that. I told my team, so I have a COO named Kathy and I told her, Hey, well, I'm gone. I really only want to be contacted if you quit, if somebody else, like there was like one or two other people I really wanted to know, it, you know, if they left or if there's something that's preventing us from being able to do business, like the division of real estate cited us or something like that. Otherwise I don't want to hear about it. Make the best decision you can. We'll figure it out when I get back. So I truly wanted to have like a mini sabbatical. I wanted to be completely disconnected. It was actually about five weeks and uh, I was able to achieve that. And part of what made it possible was I decided to do this probably six months ahead of time. And when I went all in, I told everybody, you know, I blocked out my calendar that actually created a forcing function for me to finally step up and get all that stuff off my plate that I was still doing like anything that was left that was sort of day-to-day -day operational stuff that I was still doing, which there was a pretty good amount of that. This was the motivation I, I really needed to finally document, train, and get that stuff out of my inbox, out of my tasks. Because in a way, it's kind of like laziness. You made it a rock, it's, actually, huh? You, you like literally made it a rock in your EOS and said, yes. I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah. And it actually is kind of lazy to just continue to do the tasks because it's easy and you know how to do it. It takes effort to train someone and to give them all the information and document. And, and like that takes a lot of work, right? It's actually easier to, especially if it's like a 10 minute a week thing, right? You're the one that just goes through and signs a few things or checks a few things. But I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that. So that forcing function was very useful for me, like having that deadline that I knew was coming. When you got back from your five week sabbatical though, I know like sometimes when I'm away for a week or I go on vacation, people always say, man, I went on vacation and now I have to work extra, extra hours to catch up. 
how much catching up did you need to do? Was I'm sure there was some, but but was yeah, it- yeah, there was definitely some. It, it wasn't overwhelming. I, mean, I think I had about 600 emails to go through, so that took a week or two. And how many um, of those actually needed your your input and your action? Yeah, very you? very few of them actually needed anything from me, so that was good. The other thing I, that I realized while I was away is a lot of the emails that seem urgent in the moment, they're really not. And they end up kind of solving themselves or the people who emailed you, they look it up on their own or they ask somebody else or the problem just kind of goes away naturally. And so a lot of the emails that I was going through, like from the first half of the month, you know, it was like there was no action needed. But if I had been in the office, I would have taken some action at the time. And this was kind of eye opening. And I realized, hey, I actually, I don't really need to be so responsive on email. So one of the things that I took away from that time off was I'm much less responsive and I spend a lot less time in my email inbox. I've got a thing where I don't open my inbox till after lunch. And I've got this app called Mailman that only delivers my emails three times a week. So there's just nothing really ever urgent in my inbox because by the time I see it, it's already a day or two old. And the person's either figured it out or whatever the bad thing happened, happened and we'll just deal with it. But I'm not going to be someone who's like trying to constantly, constantly be responding to people and like, because that just puts your brain in a mode where you can't really get any deep work done. You can't get any big projects or deep thinking because you're just kind of like constantly seeing what's going on. That's a, that's a great takeaway. That's a brilliant takeaway because yeah, you can spend hours in your email. Yeah. Literally. So I know you're a big advocate of systems and processes and automation. Now, some of the people listening are saying to themselves, of course, Peter can leave for five weeks because he has 600 units and he's got a team and he can afford all the systems and processes. But you said you started at zero, right? So let's talk about your journey into where you started and where you've come as a form of like processes and automation. We talked a little bit about the team and how you found them. I'm sure early on you made some bad decisions on on some people before you you figured out the, the hiring process. But like how many units did you have before you started like looking at automation, maybe even investing some money into process automation. How often do your systems break? How hard was it on the team? Did you have to replace people? Uh, how did it affect your customer service and your bottom line profit? Like, so let's just kind of talk through. Yeah, yeah happy to do that. So when, when we opened the company in 2013, you know, there was nothing in terms of what we had built out, of course. And there were, there were also far fewer options in the marketplace for systems, process, automation, things like that. So the first thing that we did, which I highly encourage everyone to do is I literally just opened Microsoft Word and I typed up, I think probably the first one was a lease signing checklist. What needs to happen when a tenant signs a lease, right? And everyone listening knows that there's 10 or 20 or 30 things that all need to happen when a tenant signs a lease. Notify the owner, process the security deposit, set them up in the software, da, 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 da. So I literally just typed up in Microsoft Word a checklist you know, with the little boxes you can get in Word. And it was like lease signing checklist. And it would ha- there was a little area where you could write in the unit and the tenant name. So basically you you, st- you started creating paper checklists. Yeah. One, one process at a time. Exactly. So I would just print off a new one anytime we had a tenant sign a lease and I would go through and I would initial or check off as I did things, you know, d- d- one by one by one. 
And then every time I did it, I would realize, oh, actually this one should come before this one. And I would kind of hand mark it up or, oh, actually we don't need to do this one anymore because this other thing changed or, oh, I forgot I need to notify the owner of this other thing. And I would kind of write it in at the bottom. Then I would go back, I would update the Microsoft Word document. And then the next time I print it off, I would have this updated version. And then over time, that system got perfected. So exactly up, over up time, until, up until you break it. Yep. Over time it got perfected. And then I would add a little section, like after we hired our first assistant, I would have like a couple things at the bottom that they would do that would have their name next to it. And so for me, that was fun and easy because I'm a systems oriented person in my engineering background. Right. And so I think we had a few of these, maybe one for our new client checklist, stuff like that. Well, almost as soon as I started doing this, I was like, oh, there has to be a better solution for this digitally. So I started looking. And I looked, I think Asana, and I looked at, I forget even what was available back in 2014. I use SharePoint. I use SharePoint mm -hmm. back in the day. Asana, Process, yeah. Monday. There's a there's a whole bunch that we all looked at as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I eventually landed on Process Street. Ended up really loving it because it was it was exactly what I was looking for at the time, which is a digital version of a checklist. And so we kind of went all in on Process Street. I built out, you know, moved over all my paper checklists. And by the way, all of this is way easier the fewer people you have because you've got less people doing processes and you as the owner are more connected. You're closer to the metal. And so you can have a hand in more of what's going on. So it's easier for you to build out and update checklists and, and processes. So we, we moved over into Process Street really like just, that let's pause here so the first yeah. first version no there's no cost here i mean most no everybody has some kind of microsoft office so if you're a smaller company this is the first thing you do is is create these paper checklists and then on process street did you need to find a process street developer like how, how did that look like no absolutely not so process street is basically drag and drop i mean it's it's extremely straightforward to use that was one of the things i loved about it it was it was so easy to use that almost immediately i was able to train one or one or two of the team members we had at the time, how to use it, how to make basic updates. So it's no coding necessary and you don't need to hire a developer. Process Street, even to this day, is very affordable. So yeah, was really happy with that. And we ended up using Process Street for years and years and years and years. Fast forward all the way to maybe six months ago, we started transitioning from Process Street to Lead Simple Process, specifically because of the integration with our property management software. So that is kind of the limitation with process street or with a paper checklist is that there's no connection to your property management software so there's a lot of there's a lot of data that you know could make that checklist faster easier better but there's unless you manually type it in at the beginning there's no way to get that into the checklist so that's sort of what i encourage everyone who's thinking about processes Everyone wants to go right to automation. Notice I haven't even talked about automation yet. Everyone wants to go right to automation, but you can't automate something you don't that know. you, don't know you haven't defined clearly first in an analog way, kind of in your head or, or maybe on a piece of paper. Then you take that digitally, right? And you have a digital version of the checklist. And now you're ready to start thinking about automating, right? And, and the automations should become very obvious. Like every single time you have to send an email, and it's got the same email template. What if we could automate that? What if we could automate sending that one email and just start with that, right? And run that for a few weeks. And then, oh, maybe we could automate assigning this task to the next guy because there's usually a way to do that automatically in any 
checklist or process software. So you, you can kind of add stuff incrementally one by one. I, I've seen where people try and jump all the way to the end, like they want to fully automate. And I'm like, you don't even know what you're doing, like not in a derisive way, but like it's not clear to you and your team how the process should run like manually. So trying to automate it is just going to create a big mess and you're going to have no idea what's happening. You're going to write off the whole thing and you're going to go all the way back to where you were. So start simple and start with the most basic thing you could possibly do in terms of automation and, and build it up slowly organically over time. Did you first start with the property management software? Like there's, there's definitely some automation built into the property management software. It's not much, but there's some email automation. There's things of that nature. Did you start there first? Well, I'm trying to think. So at the time, so we're on Buildium and back then, and even now, Buildium doesn't offer much automation at all. I would say out of all the property management softwares, I think Buildium, there's things I like about Buildium, but they're definitely weak on system and process. So there's almost nothing you can set up to run automatically within Buildium. Now, now they've got that integration with Lead Simple, which is awesome. And that, that's the direction we've gone. But yeah, I, I, a, lot, a lot of today's property management software is very accounting centric and all the process stuff, if there even is any, is kind of bolted on as an afterthought. So I have this vision of how property management software could be, which is like workflow and process centric from its core. So all that stuff is just built in from day one. And of course it has great accounting capabilities as well, but that's a probably a whole other topic. So as you started automating kind of changes what, what people were doing in your organization, did you have people worried about like, they're going to lose their, their job? And then if so, how did you overcome that? Sure. Well, I don't think we necessarily ever had someone worried about losing their job. We were always growing fairly quickly back then. And so there was always, you know, if I was able to take someone's say 10 hours a week that they had been doing and automate that, well, we're adding units, right? So they're constantly getting loaded back up. I did have an employee one time say something like, you know, with all this automation, you're kind of turning us into like robots who work at McDonald's or something like that. I remember there was like a specific complaint around that. And I was surprised by that because to me, it felt obvious that kind of that's the goal like i'm trying to drive down all the tasks and all the activities being done within the organization to the lowest level or lowest skill employee and then we if we can bring someone in at you know at the time it was like 12 dollars an hour and have them do stuff that previously someone who had to be making 18 dollars an hour was doing that now frees up the 18 dollars an hour person to maybe take some more stuff off my plate or maybe you know do some other stuff so to me, that was always intuitive. Like all that low skill, low value work should be defined, systematized, automated, made into a checklist and driven down through the organization to the very then, bottom. Then you could actually hire virtual team members to actually. Exactly. Um, yeah. So drives up your profit margin. Right. So to me, that was intuitive to the employee that felt it, it struck them differently, which I get, but that was the only complaint we really ever had that I can remember. The team, I think if you, if you do it right, the team's going to be excited because they're the ones who are responsible for doing this work in the first place. And if you're able to show them how to do it faster and easier, they're going to be excited. I mean, you know, this isn't like some, some like car manufacturing facility with 500 employees and we're bringing in, you know, $20 million worth of robots. Like it's, 
you're talking about gaining a few hours a week here and there. It's, it's, you know, you're not like wholesale eliminating jobs. So creating a process for, for most business owners. So most of the business owners don't come from an engineering background, right? They're, they're literally the visionaries, if you will, or the sales folks. So it could be very daunting on them. What would you say to those guys on like, and it's not, it's not easy, right? It does take some time and it's, and it's very detail oriented, but for those guys, like, what would you say, like what the benefits are once you have this all kind of locked and loaded? Yeah, there's a few benefits. One is one, I think some people for, forget or overlook, which is accuracy. When you have items in a digital checklist, especially if it's tied into your property management software, your odds of making a mistake are way lower right? Your odds of mistyping an email address or copying and pasting the wrong thing, especially when you're talking about team members who are doing the work. So I really like systems and processes and automations for the error reduction. There's the obvious benefit that everyone talks about, which is time savings, right? So in our business of property management, labor cost is far and away your highest expense, your largest expense. So any labor hours that you can save, and then take on more properties with the same number of people, you know, that goes right to the bottom line. And then speed as well. You're able to get stuff done faster. Everyone's looking for speed. So those are definitely the benefits. I think, you know, there's definitely folks who feel very intimidated and feel like they can't do it, or it, it, they feel like it's beyond them to get involved with some of this process stuff. I really would encourage folks to start simple. Like again, if you, if you don't already have like a lease signing checklist on a piece of paper, start with that. Once you have that kind of the way I was describing with Microsoft word, once you have that down, then you could think about using a digital tool. And at that point, once you've already got the process running the way you like it, moving it into one specific tool or another, that's pretty straightforward. And the people who make the tool, whether that's process street or lead simple or another solution, they want to help you do that. So lean on them, right? Engage them, say, Hey, I've got the process. Here it is. I just need help getting this digitized. And you can even find help, you know, on Upwork or Fiverr. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people who do this stuff all day, every day. Solutions. Yes. There you go. There's thousands of people who do this all day, every day, and would love nothing more than to help you get your processes moved over from a Microsoft Word checklist into Lead Simple or Process Street or whatever. I would also, I know that some people listen and say, man, I'm just, I'm so busy. I just don't have the time to kind of go through it. And for those, I'll, I'll give my buddy here a kind of, of a plug, Errol Allen with Errol Allen Consulting. There's other consultants out there as well that will literally sit down, go through your process for you and kind of with you through the process and literally build your process flow, which from there you can then build your checklists. Mm -hmm. um, so that can, you can take it even a step backwards. So if you're really not good at this and you and it's really that daunting, you can literally leverage other people then you can leverage Lead Simple, which is a, a great product out there to then digitize it. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. What did you see to your profit margin when you when you finally got all this stuff digitized and, and you now you, you know you you have much better customer service, you're you're alleviating time to get tasks done and also alleviated time it takes for your team to do things. How did how did that help morale? How did that help the you know the profit margin? Talk a little about yeah. people side of it. Well, on the on the finance side of it, it, it's really hard to say because we've kind of been doing this all along. So there wasn't like 
a specific break point where it was like, oh, this is the day we switched it on and look at our profit margins doubled, right? That may, I'm sure that's true for some people, but for us, it was kind of always part of our organic growth. And, and because we were growing through that time as well, it's really hard to say, but there's no doubt in my mind, I can look at how many tasks are completed monthly by the whole team and thinking about how that work would get done without some sort of process management and how many hours it would take and how many mistakes would be made. There's just no doubt in my mind. I mean, we'd have to have two or three more full-time employees or something like that. So in terms of the people side, getting team member buy-in is hugely important. And there's a few different ways you can do this. And I think this is starting to become fairly common knowledge, but I think, again, starting simple, and just saying, hey, we're going to try out this new tool. I'm going to move over one checklist and it's going to be very bare bones. But if you could just use it and tell me what you think, and then we'll meet maybe once a week and make any updates or any improvements that you think we could. And like really just introduce it slowly. And the nice thing about this type of software is it's fairly easy to, unlike your property management software, which you have to have like that hard cutoff date where you move over everything all at once, it's all or nothing. With like, say for example, our transition from process tree to lead simple, I was able to create one or two processes within lead simple. And I announced to the team, Hey, starting today, any new lease signing checklists run those in lead simple, all other processes and all the existing lease signings, leave those in process tree and keep running them the way you've been running them for years. And let's just do a little trial, right? So that's a way you can get buy-in. The other way is there's, it's been my experience that there's probably going to be someone in your team who, as soon as you show them the software and what's possible, they get super excited. They're really into it. And they're like, they're almost going too fast with it. Right. And so you, you, you actually have to kind of slow them down and be like, all right, we're going to get there. We're going to get there, but we need to let everyone else get used to this. So it, lean into that, right. And, and pull them into the process, have them on the calls, bring them in as you're thinking through things. And, and that's going to, that excitement kind of channeled through that one person will help, will help drive acceptance and use within the organization. Awesome. Peter, this has been amazing. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back for the, the lightning round. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit PMCPartner.com. Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistants for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. 
VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part? VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program, starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bedbugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. Welcome back, everybody. We're, we're here for the, the lightning round. We, we don't have sound effects here at NARPM, so I do my own sound effects. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. All right. What PM software do you use? Buildium. What is your current organizational structure? Departmental. Do you use virtual team members? Yes. Do you have salespeople or BDMs? Yes. What is one piece of advice you give someone just starting out in the PM business? Focus on getting doors. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes. Oh, boo. <laughs> what book are you currently reading or what is one that has impacted your business or life? I'm currently rereading a book called Crucial Conversations. The tagline is tools for talking when the stakes are high. Super good book. I read it once before. We're reading it with our leadership team right now. Excellent. What Disney character do you most associate with? Oh my goodness. I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Aladdin. All right. I'll take it. Disney. What is one challenge you're currently facing in your business? Challenge we're currently facing. So challenge we're currently facing is we've got one team member out on maternity leave and we've got another team member who's going to be out on maternity leave in a month or two. And so moving those tasks around so they can be covered while they're out. That's been an interesting and new challenge. I'm excited that we're able to offer some paid time off for those folks. And we're really excited to welcome them back at the right time. But, you know, as a small business owner, trying to cover a temporary team member who's out for more than a week or two is, is definitely a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. What do you prefer? Dogs or cats? Dogs. Dog guy. All right, Peter. Well, you survived the lightning round. Yeah, and you made it through. Awesome. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or reach out to you, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super active on Twitter talking about property management. So you can follow me there, twitter.com slash PSLoman. You can also find me on my website, PeterLoman.com. And I'm always happy to talk property management stuff. And are you doing a podcast yourself? So I am. It's on break right now, but I just wrapped up season two. It's called Owner Occupied. So you can search that in your favorite podcast player. We had, I think, 14 episodes with a different guest each week, and I'll probably be starting, starting back up with that in early next year, I think. Cool. And if you want to join NARPM, please go to narpmnarpm.org, or you can call the good folks over there at 800-782-3452. 
And if you are looking for virtual team members, because now you automated and you only have low level, low enjoyment tasks right. left, and you want your team to literally, you know, become customer relations specialists if, or asset managers, go to vpmsolutions.com. We have over 15,000 virtual team members ready to be to be hired in the property management and real estate industry. Peter, thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Pete. This was fun. This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org.